Hey everybody, we're going to give it a couple minutes to get started, but uh, we have a full a full house tonight so far, so that's great to hear. Good, good. And I think uh, Jace was about to share before the recording, unless you want to save it for the recording, what a chinwag is. Uh, I can I can do it either, you know, as far as that goes. But um, so so a chinwag is it's I would say it's an English term, right? Because um, that's the only only context I've heard it specifically in. But I had a conversation several years ago with a colleague, Michelle Laverick, you know, and uh, the term essentially means just a kind of an informal conversation, as I understand it. And I'm sure she can uh, correct me if I have the definition, you know. Uh, fouled up or whatnot, but it's just kind of an informal conversation. Let's see where we go and just see, you know, see what we have to talk about and just kind of let it flow and, and cover what we need to and, and, you know, not cover things we don't, whatever, that type of thing. So, so no real structure uh, today. We were, we're initially going to talk about like what's new and, and kind of the, you know, the, the canned deck, if you will, to a point. But I think rather than doing a deck, I think I'm just going to kind of play around in the interface and talk about some of the, uh, the some of the specific features and kind of where I see value in them, that type of thing. That's awesome. Yeah, we, we actually had people asking specifically, does Mike Laverick know you're still in his chinwag? And please say British, not English. <laughs> okay, British, excuse me, excuse me. No. So yeah, so well, we, hey, I, I, we do have I, we do have British British attendees tonight. <laughs> well, so I'm I, I'm I have an Irish heritage, right? So I don't know any difference as far as that goes, right? So, uh, but I, I like I like chinwag specifically in that it's just you know it's kind of informal, right? It's no real formality. We're all friends here. Uh, we're you know we're not here to throw fud, and at the same time we're we're just here to kind of see where it goes and try to get some value out of it, that type of thing. Well, great. Well said, uh, Jace. I'm going to go ahead and start the recording now. And if you want to say all that again for the recording, I probably should have been recording it that first uh, time because that was awesome. Um, we'll have to so do I'm it again. Yeah. I'm going to start recording in three, two. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to V Brown Bag. I'm Tom Green, and I'll be your host of three or four different hosts tonight. So we have a very exciting uh, vSAN discussion, and we uh, can't talk about vSAN without talking about Jace McCarty. He's uh, technical marketing for vSAN, and he's quite a guy. <laughs> uh, I'm honestly the dumbest guy in storage, I'll tell you that, and I, I, uh, I claim that, that title. So... Um, We'll be uh, having a great conversation tonight. The conversation will be happening at V Brown Bag on Twitter and following the hashtag V Brown Bag. I'm Tom Green and I'll be watching on Twitter. We're also joined with Kyle Ruddy and Ariel Sanchez Mora, who didn't make it onto the slide. Sorry, Ariel. <laughs> no worries. I'm the numbers one, so. No, no. You guys, you guys are the rock stars here. You guys are the ones that are, that, uh, you know, bring a lot of value to the community. So I uh, hats off to you guys. Ariel and I will be racing to the bottom while you're rising to the top, Jace. So, uh, I'm, I'm jumping back to that first one. So if you want to briefly talk about what a chinwag is, like we were talking before the recording started. 
Okay. Okay. So, so I'll I'll say that I I'm stealing the term just for the purpose of tonight, right? Um, so a chin wag, and and I've since been educated that it's it's British, not English, right? As far as that goes, but uh, it's a term that that uh, was used in a conversation I had with Michelle Laverick many many years ago, and uh, as I understand it, and I may be butchering the definition, but as I understand it, it's kind of a an informal conversation between friends, that type of thing. Uh, you know, just basically where we, uh, uh, you know, have a, a good positive conversation about whatever, right? And that's kind of what I want to do tonight when it comes to uh, to vSAN, uh, specifically 6.6 and some of the new things that we're doing. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't really want to do anything from a slide perspective. I'm just going to jump in with a live demo and kind of cover some of the different things that we're doing with uh, uh, with 6.6. And then probably at some point, I'll have to go in and spin up a browser, but at some point, I think I'm going to uh, mention a little Easter egg hunt, right? So this is something that I didn't realize that I did, um, and it's in a video, which I'll kind of point at a little bit later, and I'll let everybody dissect that at a, you know, at a later time. But um, I think I'm probably going to, uh, specific to this Easter egg hunt, is, uh, uh, you know, mention uh, something like, uh, you know, if you send me the answer to, to where the particular Easter egg is and what it pertains to, uh, for like the first three people that, that, that uh, ping me with the, uh, with the correct answer of what the, the Easter egg is, uh, you know, will, uh, and, and unfortunately I have to, I have to keep it to U.S. based because of taxes and, and in that and all that type of stuff. But, um, you know, I'll send something nice, you know, like a vSAN hat or, you know, some other vSAN swag specifically. So we'll, we'll get to that as we're wrapping up. That's awesome. Uh, we appreciate that. And I'll give you my address at the, I mean, I'm sure whoever will be happy to have that. <laughs> So uh, I'm going to hand you presenter here and All right. let you live dangerously. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. I had a had a little bit of a of an issue with uh, with this environment actually yesterday as I was uh, was training some uh, uh, some customers. So now if you take a look here, I've got a, a pretty healthy vSAN 6.6 cluster. Uh, I've actually got another one uh, below. This this is actually nested with four hosts. I, I'm not presenting all of them. I've got one of Le William Lamb's scripts over here actually presenting some nested hosts. These first four are the ones that are actually uh, loaded here, if you will. But what I really wanted to cover specific to, uh, to vSAN, some of the things that we're doing, I'll really start with... Um, and I've got a video which I'll cover, like I said, a little bit later around some of the features. But if we take a look at vSAN 6.6 specifically, we'll notice here under general, I actually just upgraded this virtual cluster earlier in, earlier in the day today. I'm running, um, actually, let me go and show here so everybody sees the build I'm running. This is just the 6.6 GA build. Uh, I'm sorry. There we go, right? So 5310538, right? So the 6.6 GA build is what I'm running. So nothing special, no uh, beta code or anything like that. Uh, my on-disk format version is version 5. I will say that we did skip from 3.25. to 5. Uh, And all transparency, as I like to you know, be certain to, um, you know, obviously uh, show all the good and the bad, you know, the warts, that kind of thing. Uh, we were previously 3.0, which was internally actually 4.0, and uh, and 2.0 was 2.0, and so we kind of had a little skip 
from what we had uh, externally and what we have internally. And so now with everything being 5.0 with version 6.6 .6 and everything aligns and people don't get you know confused, that type of thing. Uh, I don't recall whether or not I've consumed any disks in this particular cluster. I don't think I have. But I'll go over, okay, there we go. I do have some disks, right? But you should see a new feature here called Configuration Assist. We call it Config Assist, kind of short. Uh, if we'll notice, if we were to take a look at the health of this, we may see nodes aren't necessarily, necessarily talking to each other, that type of thing. All right, so I'm probably going to say, uh, well, time's not synced across. I think I've got some other networking issues specifically. No, no, my networking is working. Okay, so let me go back and, and take a look at Config Assist again. All right, so I look at my network configuration. It says, hey, look, you know, these hosts don't have vMotion configured. Let me go ahead and create a VM, VM kernel. Uh, vMotion adapter, this works exactly the same for, for vSAN. I just happen to have it already set up on these guys. All right. I can now go, oh, come on. It's on this one. There we go. Different VDS. And I'm going to choose the vMotion port group. I'm not worried about uh, jumbo frames. And I'm going to statically assign some IPs, right? And I'm just going to pick these from random somewhere. I don't know if they're good or not, but I'm probably stepping on somebody's toes, but I'm not really worried about it, you know, for the purpose of this demo. All right, notice I just hit tab and everything gets populated. And the process of all that being populated here within the configuration assist, notice I didn't have to go anywhere else. I didn't have to do anything anywhere else within the cluster, right? Um, and that's kind of where configuration assist comes in. It, it, it will help us set up all of our... Uh, set up all of our uh, vSAN interfaces. It probably didn't like the IPs I used, and that's fine. I can go back and fix those later. But, but the point I'm getting at is, is it really gives us the opportunity to go in and set a lot of things in a, in a single spot, right? Uh, notice here, generic cluster, HA and DRS enabled. HA is not, but DRS is. Rather than clicking over here and going to HA or, HA or DRS, then I can just actually click it here, right? This is one of my favorite pieces when it comes to, to 6.6 Fig Assist and the fact that I can, all from a single spot, manage just about everything, right, as far as at least initial setup goes. Now, hardware compatibility is going to fail because these are nested hosts, the one, but I'll show you something in just a moment that, that gets pretty exciting as far as that goes. And I can do a burn-in test here, which essentially just drops me down to do the low-stress test and run it for 10 minutes. Right, so that's just some of the kind of things that you do typically when it comes to a, uh, a vSAN config. Now let me back up to my actual running cluster that I've got a fair number of VMs on, or a handful rather. All right, if we notice under my, I'm not going to worry about the burn-in test for the moment, but if I look at my vSAN config, I happen to have, you know, all my networking in place. I have HA and DRS in place. I have vSAN enabled, but notice I don't have all my disks claimed. And the reason being is because hosts five through eight were not part of this cluster a little bit earlier today, right? So what I can actually do right here is I can go to v, uh, all disks claimed and then notice claim disk for vSAN. And it brings up the claim disk wizard. I don't have to go anywhere else. I don't have to do anything special. All right, and I can have all the same um, functions, if you will, that I previously had, not doing anything, host one through four, 
but host five, six, and seven, I can go and I can claim cache devices, capacity devices, right? So all on one spot. Right, I'm not going to do these guys just yet, just because it's it's a bit time consuming. Okay, so I'm fine with that particular particular error. If I look at hardware compatibility, though, notice that you know I've got some things that I'll, I'm checking on. I'll talk about these in just a second. But notice controller firmware is not VMware certified. Now, if you'll notice, I've got this host right here, and it doesn't want to auto populate. I don't know why. Okay, so I've got these two hosts. Notice that host number six has an incorrect build, 25.4, I'll say is you know, shorthand. And then the host number 108, I have no idea what it is. None at all. Right now, I will, I will be honest in saying these are Dell hosts. They're Dell R630s with the H730 controller. And we do this on a couple different vendors and a couple different controllers with those vendors. Dell just happens to be one of them. Lenovo, we also do this on uh, several configs, Fujitsu and Supermicro. I can come over here to updates and I can actually try to remediate that. But what I'll also do is I'll notice that the controller disk group mode is certified, right? So um, we see that in some cases, right? So the hosts that actually have disks, disks added and have disk groups like this one as such. All right, so host number three, I see that it's an all flash disk group and it's this particular controller is supported for both all flash and hybrid, okay? I can also see that the controller driver is certified. And we can have multiple drivers that could work for any particular controller. It just depends on the release of, of vSphere. And I also see that you know, it's supported on vSAN 6.6. So some of this has kind of, kind of been there for a while. But where this brings a little extra value here is updates, as an example. Right? So updates. Notice here, and the only reason these are showing up like this is because they've already been downloaded. Uh, I haven't found an easy way to kind of reset this, but if I notice here, it's, it says management tool for the, the H730 mini. It shows me these two hosts do not have that tool loaded. Okay. And then also for for one host, we have to know what the what the firmware is. We see that this host, it doesn't have the correct firmware. Right. So I can go to this particular tool and I can say, all right, let's download the, or let's let's uh, use a rolling up update of installing these vibs to these two hosts, right? And I'll, I'll end up coming back, but if I look at my recent tasks, I'll go and I'll see that I'm in the process of installing those up to uh, to host eight and host six. So when I come back in a minute, I'll go and I'll see that that uh, these guys have you know the right. Um, uh, have the tools and whatnot. And I'll get back to that in just a sec, right? Or actually, it may have already done it. Yeah, I'll come back to that in just a second. So another thing I want to talk about specifically to what we've added to vSAN 6.6 while that, that is updating is take a look here, and I'll, I'll notice that I've got, you know, these are the hosts that do have some disk groups added. Uh, if I look at host number three, this particular disk group, and I decide, hmm, I want to bring this disk group offline because I'm either doing maintenance or I'm, you know, let's say I'm expanding it or some just some whatever reason. Let's say I'm swapping from 400 gig drives or some larger drives, that type of thing. Well, if I click this new little, uh, I'll call it decommissioning button, right? What if? If I click that, depending on what I choose as a potential mechanism, whether it's to evacuate or ensure data accessibility or no data um, evacuation. I will see what I might affect, 
right? So before, with previous builds to 6.6, .6, and to me this is kind of important when it comes to, um, you know, comes to day-to-day -day operations, right? Those day two things. Before I had to go and I had to figure out what is on what, right? What is where, you know, how do I figure out what I'm going to affect, that type of thing. You know, swap objects, you know, I've got a compliance status of unknown. Probably don't want to do this until until everything listed here has a compliance status of compliant as opposed to non-compliant, that type of thing, right? So the important thing is that I don't have to do any work uh, as far as trying to figure out beforehand where everything is, right? So we're exposing all of this. All right, the same thing happens if I'm going to put a host in maintenance mode. All right, so I've got to put a host in maintenance mode. And if we notice, right, so same options. We've got a little green check, we're good. Or, hey, you may have some, you know, you may affect something here, right? If I click here under full results, same situation. It shows me that same pre-check. It shows me what's going to be affected, all right? I have some swap objects that are kind of being problematic, but, all right, so it gives me a better opportunity of seeing if I do this, what's it going to affect, right? Which is, which is pretty good, all right? Let's go back and look at Config Assist and see if we have finished up with our installation of our tools, which it looks like we have. All right. I'll go and I'll do a retest. I go and look at updates real quick. Refresh. My Vib should go away. That was being a little problematic. Hey, Jace Fall, you're refreshing. Uh -huh. I've got a, a question that's come in from Graham. Sure. He says, I think it's referring to the VIBs, what you were just looking at. Uh -huh. Do they do the standard Avago LSI parts, or is it only specifically branded? Um, well, so for this for this particular host, and I'll go and I'll um, – let me log back into host number eight, right, because I actually had logged in earlier really about 10 minutes before we uh, we started and I was removing that particular VIB to make sure it didn't show up. But if I go and do a uh, ESX CLI software VIB list grep perk, for this particular controller that's H730, this happens to be the VMware ESX CLI or ESX perk CLI 1.0. 5.08, right? Just this particular one. Now, the important part of this to, to consider and to keep to keep in mind is, is if you look under health and performance specifically, right? This is where we go and we get the you know, the latest version online, and we go and we pull, or we can download that JSON file, right? For for environments that are offline, okay. This HCL database is going to have this particular information in it. It's going to say this is the particular management tool that you need, and it's also going to say this is the firmware that you need. Okay. Now, if you do have an offline environment, when you click on this, I happen to have already had have them uh, downloaded, right? But if you did not have them downloaded, it would actually pop up in this space right here a, a URL, and it would tell you where you could go to get it, and then you could manually load it in here. Right, so it's all tied to the HCL. I would say other LSI 3108-based uh, controllers that happen to be supported are probably going to use Store CLI as opposed to Perk CLI. Okay, 
I don't know if that answers the question specifically, but it's really, really more of aligns with whatever the vendor tells us is the appropriate set of tools to go with that particular controller. Now I can come, like I said before, I can come over here to updates and go to notice this guy. So the version I've got is 25.4 on host six and 25.3 on host eight. I can at this point go and say, all right, well, I need to do a an in place or an in place rolling update. I can do one by one or or I can do do them all at one time. I can't do all of them at one time in this particular situation. Um, but the important thing is is I can I can patch this firmware, right? So a uh, question came in the other day and it's like, well, why is this valuable? Well, I look at it from a perspective of what if I have a, a, a cluster that has uh, a combination of servers with a combination of controller types. Let's say I've got some of one maker, some of another maker, and those aren't necessarily updated in the same fashion. This gives me a single location UI-wise to be able to update everything, right? As opposed to, let's say I've got a combination of, of uh, Dell servers and I've got a combination of let's say Lenovo or Supermicro servers and I'm not familiar with with the firmware updating process on Supermicros just because I haven't used them uh, in quite a while but I'm sure the, the update mechanism is a bit different than going through let's say a, you know an iDRAC with a Dell right so this kind of gives us a central location to be able to accommodate all of that right so in one spot which is really pretty cool um, you know we you know we could there are a lot of different ways you could do it you could choose to to uh, uh, update just a, a few you could choose to update them all you know whatever it's really kind of your choice right now we'll also say that if you and I found this out over the course of the past couple of days this is my VC, VCSA that I'm running but this cluster was 6.2 or actually the host 5 through 8 were 6.2 I was running 6.2 um, patch 4 so before update 3 all being managed by the same cluster or the same vCenter Right now, the interesting part there that I found is that, um, and I can't attest to 6.0 update three. I'm just not familiar. I haven't tested that yet, but but I noticed that the health check, you know, under monitor here worked perfectly fine with 6.2. Config assist didn't work, obviously, because we don't support that, right? Um, but that was a good little thing that I that I found, right? So here I'm seeing the same exact thing. I've got these same two hosts that their firmware is not, you know, not updated. But notice here I can say update software, right? And it brings me back to the same spot. Use a rolling update. I think, I think this presents the same thing, right? All right, I'm not gonna update those right now per se. Now something else I'll mention that we did add, if we go to general here. Okay, if you notice I do have uh, deduplication compression disabled and I've got encryption disabled, but also notice that I've got Unicast as my networking mode. Right before, with every version of vSAN previous to 6.6, .6, and even in an environment where I've got 6.6 and um, and 6.5 mixed, I will have multicast. But when all members of the cluster are upgraded to 6.6, .6, the transport mechanism goes from being Unicast to uh, to multicast or multicast to Unicast. Okay, so that's a, a lot of people have asked for that. Now, I want to cover encryption, but I want to show you guys something a little bit different first, okay? Um, and this is something I meant to get set up, but I haven't had the opportunity yet. But what I want to do is I want to go into, into administration, 
and I want to go and I want to uh -huh. just before you you dive into that uh, we have some questions uh, sure sure I, go right ahead ask us if um, for the cards do they do a standard Avago LSI parts or only specifically branded ones like Dell or IBM is he, he he says that it sounds that it's very vendor specific it is very vendor specific absolutely absolutely now uh, with that being said a good example there right so so today we're not supporting Cisco right as far as that goes Cisco typically is going to update a lot of their gear through UCSM right UCS manager we're probably going to have to hand, have to accommodate an offload mechanism to then invoke UCSM to be able to accommodate updates on Cisco Right, which that's part of the framework and I don't have all the details in the framework specifically but, but that's part of the framework is to be able to support that on the other hand if you look at let's say HPE as an example and this is not me bad-mouthing HPE by any means but HPE obviously right now has a has a requirement where you have to have active support to be able to download updates so we don't have that yet and then we when we do have support with with HPE to be able to do this uh, you know, when that time comes if that time comes I would imagine it's probably going to be a, a two-part uh, two process where you either just get a list of where the, the right pieces are as far as the firmware and the, and the, uh, the VIBs, you know, the, the, the tools, or it could be, you know, handing off authentication where you have to sign in with your, you know, your particular HP account, right? That type of thing. That part I'm not certain about, but I do know today, and we've got a list, uh, I think we publicly shared it out there on virtual blocks. It should be ending up on Storage Hub very soon of the specific um, vendors as well as the specific controllers. So it's it's not all of them, unfortunately. Uh, I will say as far as the Dell H730 goes, um, with some of the issues that we had back in the 6.1 and 6.2 days when 6.1 was pretty much there for, you know, from 6.1 to 6.2 was there for everybody but the H730s. Um, and then we had to, you know, we had to do a little bit of additional validation there going from the, from 6.1 to 6.2. We did a lot of additional, uh, you know, additional validation specific to the, to the H730s, right? And part of that, I would say, has kind of helped us with some of this, you know. Um, when 6.5 was released, we didn't immediately support HPE. You know, now uh, HPE is supported as well. So, again, vendor by vendor, card by card, it really all depends on 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 uh, you know the validation and testing process. If it's easy to accomplish this, those types of things, right? Uh, this is something that we've been working on for quite a while. We had actually hoped to bring some of it last year. And it just really wasn't ready, both from a mechanically as well as a uh, you know uh, agreement perspective. But now with six six, you know, we've got several vendors that are participating in it. It's a bit more robust than than it was about a year ago, as far as using internal code. And and uh, I think it's an opportunity to to make things a lot easier as far as day two operations go. Awesome, thank you. So just remember to check the ATL, whichever card you're you're thinking of getting, and make sure the versions and everything lines up. Correct, correct. All right, now what I'm doing right now is I'm I'm creating a um, just a little account called No No Crypto. Okay. Now I'm very rusty here on setting up my group, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to probably fudge through this, but. Um, give me one sec. If you'll notice that we've got a new group. Or actually, it's a new role. I forget where it is. Uh, bear with me one second. Roles. I'm sorry. It's in roles. Okay. 
So notice we have a no crypto administrator role now, okay? And whoops, I need to, I don't do this much and you have to bear with me, right? But if I go to this user that I just made, come on demo gods, let me make this happen. All right. No, this is not where I gotta do it. Bear with me one second. That's not roles, permissions. Here we go. Right. Okay, so what I'm gonna do is is I'm gonna go and I'm gonna I'm gonna grab this no crypto admin. Right? And I wanna add this user no crypto that I just made, right? Now this is very important when it comes to kind of our security profile, if you will, right? Notice here, cryptographic operations are not allowed with this particular role, okay? Now I'm gonna open up a completely different browser. I've got it ready and waiting on me. C-R-Y-P-T-O at Uh, let's see. I think that's it. So the no crypto admin role was introduced in 6.5, and the reason it was it was added was for the capability of using VM encryption. All right, and what I mean by VM encryption is is the feature that's included as part of of uh, Enterprise Plus, where we can encrypt VMs now. I have all my all the other capabilities that any other administrator would have, but I do not have the capability of enabling encryption. All right, so we did announce vSAN encryption in uh, 6.6. It does require an enterprise license. If I look at this particular cluster and I go to configure, and I go to, to vSAN, give me one second. Okay, notice encryption is disabled. Notice here, I have no option to enable or disable encryption whatsoever, right? If I come back to this guy, and I'm logged in as, as administrator, if you notice right up here, right? I go and look at that cluster. Once it populates. And I go to general. Come on, demo gods be nice. We're doing rain dances for Notice you on now Twitter I have here. <laughs> so I have to. I happen to have a, a KMS server uh, already configured, right? Uh, I'm going to enable encryption here, and then it then goes through the process of reconfiguring the cluster. It's going to take disk groups offline, right? Because I, I'm going to go through. And I'm going to take that host key, or that that uh, client encryption key, or key encryption key, KEK, and I'm going to take that in conjunction with a disk encryption key, and I'm going to encrypt each and every one of the individual vSAN disks. Now, it's important to keep in mind we work a little bit different than, and notice we're changing our disk format um, from from three to five in this particular cluster. I think there were three previously, um, and of course it's giving me a little little bark here because they're not 5.0 yet, but we'll come back and take a look at that in a second. Uh, okay, it's enabled, that's strange. Anyway, 
make sure it doesn't have any particular errors. Let's go and, and make sure it did encrypt everything right. It's, yeah, it's griping about my, my vMotion. That's fine. Because I don't, those weren't good keys. Or good IPs, rather. All right. Let's see what it's saying here. It's probably going to tell me that these, uh, yeah, these aren't really encrypted properly, right? The disk group is, is encrypted, but uh, but encryption is not enabled on the cluster. Okay, so I'll remediate, and it'll go on through. It'll add encryption. Okay, but where I'm getting at at this is 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 you know if we look in this environment, I can take that away. So you know our C, uh, CISSO folks who are always worried about security and and that type of thing, which they should be, right? We now have the capability of of taking those encryption keys, if you will, the, the ability to encrypt or decrypt away from uh, administrators if we want to, right, as far as that goes. Okay, and this will take a little bit. because so we have to roll through each of the disks and, and uh, handle the encryption process. Now, I'll also say specifically when it comes to, and I make sure I'm logged in as the right one, right? Let me back up, right? So I can come here and I can say generate new encryption keys. This is what we would call a shallow rekey. Right, shallow rekey doesn't really, um, it doesn't require disk groups to be uh, taken offline or any of that kind of stuff. It just basically refreshes the key encryption key. But I can say re-encrypt all the data in cases such as that, that's actually going to do a, what we call a deep uh, re-encryption, if you will, or deep uh, deep rekey. That's going to evacuate all the disk groups and completely rekey each of the disks. Now you can, if you'd like, you don't have to necessarily do it through the UI. Let's say you're managing 15, 20, 100 vSAN clusters. Let's say you've got a, uh, you work for a retailer and you've got, you know, vSAN encryption across, you know, let's say 50, 100 sites, things like that. Uh, I did put together something that, uh, that you can use to make things a little bit easier. It's code.vmware.com slash samples. You do have to have the 6.5.1 PowerCLI tools, right? But I've got a little code here that you can very easily run this particular commandlet. And yes, Kyle, before you get on to me, I want to roll this stuff into the encryption um, uh, modules, if you will. I just got to sit down and have an opportunity to do that. But Yay. Hopefully that'll be there at some point. Anyway, anyway, so here I'm saying, you know, vSAN encryption rekey, the vCenter I want to point to, the name of the cluster. Do I want to do a shallow or deep rekey, and do I want to enable reduced redundancy where I have a situation where, let's say, I have three nodes or, or uh, you know, I run into a situation where I have just enough nodes to meet my, my FTT and, and FTM requirements, right? So it's a, it's a pretty simple script. I, uh, I wrote it in about half an hour. It didn't take, uh, whoops, didn't take a lot of work. Um, but I do want to definitely bring to light the fact that I'm using the new git vSAN view commandlet, right? So I'm using this git vSAN view commandlet, and then I'm going and I'm checking to see, is encryption enabled on that vSAN cluster? If vSAN is enabled here, and if it is encrypted here, then in this particular case, let's go ahead and start doing a rekey. All right, so here I'm just saying, hey, I'm doing a rekey, and then right behind it I say, execute this rekey. Do I want it to be shallow or deep? And do I want to allow reduced redundancy? This is one of those quick, easy ways of being able to um, 
to accommodate this at scale if you'd like, right? So what I'm kind of trying to demonstrate here is, is the fact not only do we have encryption, but from an API perspective, if you've got a very, very large environment and you want to uh, encrypt, you know, whether it be a re-encrypt, you know, shallow or deep or whatnot at scale, it's very easy to do. Now, I will mention before, you know, without going in deep into any one of these uh, environments specifically, I'll mention that uh, some others in this particular space, whether it be traditional arrays or uh, other hyperconverged players, things like, like that, while a lot of times use uh, self-encrypting drives to accommodate the, the, uh, the encryption process, specifically of data on those drives. And um, I would mention that, that vSAN encryption as well as VM encryption, uh, both you know encrypt the VM itself. They're not encrypting you know the drives themselves as far as that goes on the back end, as far as a hardware key or anything specific to that. But um, vSAN encryption is for the entire data store. VM encryption is for an individual VM. Um, but more importantly, self-encrypting drives are not you know not required at all. VM encryption works on any data store. vSAN encryption works on any vSAN data store. Doesn't matter as far as the drives go. You don't have to have any special kind of drives. You don't have to be validated as said, you know, self-encrypting drives or anything like that, right? It's not necessary. I would also, um, you know, challenge anyone as far as looking at kind of the, the mechanism of the encryption process as far as where it provides value in the security of data. And what I mean by that, is self-encrypting drives really protect you if someone walks out of the data center with a drive, okay? If I'm walking out of the data center with a drive and I've got, you know, let's say RAID on that drive and other things, then there's some additional work I've got to do, to, you know, even if they weren't encrypted to be able to get that data. But if I walk up to a, uh, you know, let's say I'm a contractor and I log in with administrative access and I'm a, a, one of these rogue, you know, people that likes to pull data down and you know, archive it and hold it, you know, for a later time when I want to use it, you know, for my own benefit, that type of thing. I can very easily go into the data store, right? And I don't have anything in this particular data store, but I can browse the data store and I can download a VM, you know, download a VMDK. Let me go and look at that actually where there is one, right? On vSAN data store, data store one. I can download a VM to a USB drive if I'm using self-encrypting drives, then I still have full access, right? Because I'm only encrypting the drive itself. I'm not necessarily encrypting the data, right? So I can go and I can download this guy and I can go have fun with it to my heart's content. vSAN encryption and VM encryption, both of those actually encrypt the object itself, okay? So that's kind of a, you know, a, a way to differentiate the two. Self-encrypting drives protect the drives. We actually protect the data on the drives as opposed to the drives themselves. So if I go and try to download this VMDK and it's encrypted, I'm not gonna be able to get anything out of it without the keys. All right, so just one little differentiation as far as those go. Now I'll also mention some other things that, um, that we're doing a little bit better specific to 6.6. And there was always the challenge in the past that if you had a, uh, a vSAN cluster and you lost your vCenter, you know, what do I do next? What happens when I need to look at the health of that vSAN cluster? What if the health of that vSAN cluster, either a network partition or other, is the reason you can't get into your vCenter to be able to look at that same vSAN, right? So it's kind of a catch-22. So I'm looking at host number, 
uh, four here, right? So it's, give me one sec, let this guy populate. So this is 050104, 0501104, right? So this is the host I'm looking at. Notice here under data stores, this is not new, vSAN data store, but when I click that guy, I now see an opportunity to monitor. And for some reason in my browser, events always seems to go slow, so I'll go ahead and zip over to vSAN. But notice here I see for vSAN, my claiming mode is manual, which by the way, we no longer have an auto as of 6.6. I don't have deduplication or encryption enabled or even iSCSI for this particular cluster. Remember I enabled uh, encryption for the lower cluster. I can also see which hosts are participating in that vSAN cluster. Right, so they may, may, uh, now they're in order, okay. Uh, I'm not sure why it's showing a couple of them more than once. That's new, maybe a bug. <laughs> Notice I can look at, let's say, whether it be my network, right? I'm trying to move this down to give it a little bit more space. No, it's not wanting to. I can hey. look at partition, yeah. We have a question. Uh, so Graham asks, you know, what what kind of CPU hit can we take? Can we expect that of encryption? I would say that numbers that I've seen have been somewhere between uh, two and three uh, percent, and we try to be conservative with those numbers. And what I mean by conservative, we probably you know try to tell you it's going to take more than uh, than we think. So I would say two to three percent additional. And the reason being that it's it's not really significant is because we use AES in a AES dash NI offload on the uh, the Intel processors, right? We even have a health check piece that will warn you, hey, look, I've got AES NI disabled on this host, and as a result, I'm probably going to take a performance hit. But we offload that to that particular instruction set within the CPUs. Now, fortunately, that AES NI has been around since um, I want to say 2008. 2009 time frame, if I recall correctly, right? So it's Very not really smart. a significant hit. Um, that be, yeah, that being said, also, uh, as far as the encryption process goes, and let me go and look at, at one of these hosts here uh, under disk management. If I look at one of these disk groups, and give me just a sec for it to populate them. This disk group here, notice this is just, again, this is nested. I've got a flash device and a capacity device here, but we encrypt at the cache tier. And then when we go to write to the capacity tier, we de-encrypt, or decrypt rather, we decrypt, then we do whatever work we need to do to that particular data. And when I say do whatever we need to do, deduplication and compression, check summing, those types of things. And then once all of that is done, the very last thing that we do is we do encryption again, right? So we re-encrypt at that point. And where this is valuable is specifically when it comes to consolidation ratios. Right, so if so if, if I look at my vSAN data store pre-encryption, and I have a, a you know let's say a, a 2x consolidation ratio, or I have a 4x consolidation ratio, whatever, when I enable encrypt vSAN encryption, I'm going to have the same, right? Whereas with VM encryption or with some other encryption strategies, uh, let's say you're using a third party you know, let's say high trust encryption or Talus or Jamalto or whoever, where they're doing in-guest encryption, those don't really necessarily align well when it comes to consolidation savings from deduplication and compression. But because we do that very, very last, we don't take any any hit as far as the capacity consolidation ratio goes. 
So that's a, just another thing to kind of keep in mind when it comes to which type of encryption is right for my particular use case, right? I'm not saying one's better than the other. You know, it, it may be more important that I have from an encryption perspective. It may be more important for me to, um, you know, to have a multi-tenancy type approach. Let's say I'm a, a hosting provider, as an example, or let's say I've got different departments that need different AMS clusters. With VM encryption, I can apply different policies with different key management servers. I can very easily do multi-tenancy from a, an encryption perspective. vSAN encryption though, is one key or one set of keys, if you will, for the entire vSAN cluster. Right, so we're not really necessarily aligned with uh, with um, multi-tenancy, if you will, from a vSAN perspective, unless it's separate, you know, for separate clusters. VM encryption is it's better suited for that. So it's again one of those things that that you know at VMware we're just really you know happy to be able to provide choice, you know, to customers. Um, you know, who knows? We may see multi-tenancy as an option with uh, with vSAN encryption at one point. Uh, that's just not how it works today. Okay. All right, so let's uh, let's kind of get back to um, to the host UI, the host client. I can go through and I can get visibility into pretty much the whole cluster, right? All from within the 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 UI here, right? You know, what's my current situation? You know, what happens if I have an additional failure? You know, where am I as far as my host component counts? That type of thing, right? I'm not sure why these guys are saying three thousand, but. Um, at the same time, if you happen to be one of those folks that are fine with enabling SSH to a host, which I'm personally not, but this is obviously a, a lab environment, I can now also run ESX CLI commands and say vSAN, I can say health, and of the cluster, I think it's get, uh, maybe it's list, I'm sorry. All right, give me a list of all the tests that you've run for the cluster and tell me whether they're green or yellow or red. And if I scroll up a bit, I can now see overall health and so on, right? At the same time, and rather than using a uh, list, I can use a get dash T being my test name. And I can say, let's say component limit health, right? Run a specific test. And it gives me more detail specific to that test. All right. So again additional capabilities as far as not having vCenter avail available not necessarily having to go into the RVC the vSphere console that type of thing now if I kind of back up this ESX CLI command and I just type in vSAN by itself I'll notice a new one that I actually have used a bit debug all right it's a really good one let's say I want to do debug for a particular object right I can go and I can get granular and rather than having to either use the RVC and I don't know all these by hand or by you know by uh, uh, by memory per se but I can I can go into each one of these and do a lot of looking around again without having to have RVC which requires vCenter and get more visibility. I ran into a situation not too long ago when I was still running, um, I was running GA code, but it was before we GA'd, and I had a couple of inaccessible objects that I had uh, I had lost through, uh, um, I forget what I had done. I, I was doing a little tinkering around trying to see what I could, I could get away with. And I ended up with a couple inaccessible objects. I found these objects and then 
got the the UID for these objects and actually went and removed them from the command line without ever having to have the RVC available to me. Now going further, and I don't do this much, right? But I can, if it will, there we go. I can also run these commands using the vSphere CLI, whether I'm doing it from a Linux box or I'm doing it from a, um, uh, um, you know, from a Linux box or doing it from a Windows box, right? So all these same pieces are available to me, right? So I can say, uh, oh, vSAN health or vSAN cluster health list. Uh, and of course, I, I have the syntax backwards, right? So vSAN health cluster get. Uh, list. That's what I want, right? So I don't necessarily have to enable SSH. I can do all of this from a Windows or a Linux command line securely. I can also tie that into. Um, I can tie that into Bash, you know, scripts. I can tie them into cron jobs, and you know, whatever, right? However, I want to automate. Important part I'm getting at is is the fact that I can actually go in and uh, you know programmatically enumerate and be able to remediate whatnot without necessarily having vCenter available. Jason, right. I had not seen if this. I go in again. This is awesome. It is, it is. Well, in the, you know, the debug where I can get in and kind of look at stuff individually and not having to, you know, not having to fool with the RVC and, and, you know, it's, it's great, you know, and I haven't even talked about, you know, like the, some performance graphs, right? I mean, something else we've added. Now I don't do a whole lot of work on this cluster, but you know, something else that's really important specifically to let's get, let's say we go and look at monitoring, right? And I need to be on the right cluster. Come on, refresh. There we go. Okay. If I, if I look under performance, Previously, you know, we would see things specific to the cluster. We would see things specific to the host. But if we look at performance here now, I now have not only VM consumption, VM or vSAN backend, disk group, and disk, but I can now look at individual physical adapters and see what their performance is like specific to vSAN. Right? I currently just have one on this particular, you know, assigned. Right. I can look at the VM kernel adapter, and then also if I've got a, you know an aggregation of those, I can look. I can drill down specifically to each one of these. I don't have iSCSI enabled, but we're also exposing all of the, all of the uh, metrics for iSCSI as far as uh, you know initiators and so on, right? So we're exposing even more than we ever have. All of this is available, uh, you know, via API as well. I wish I, I didn't have an opportunity to get it installed, but we've we've got a new management pack for. Um, for vRealize operations that goes uh, very, very in-depth and provides all of this in a nice kind of tied-in-a-bow type dashboard, right? So, um, a, you know, the, the biggest... Go ahead. Ken Malbone asks... You're about to say? He has a great mm -hmm. question. Is there anything okay. that we can only do with RVC anymore? Ooh, that's a good question. So I haven't... I haven't tried a feature parity of 6.6 with all the tools, tools available and RVC. I haven't really tried that yet. I just haven't had the opportunity. We've had so much going on. I'm still behind on on a, an encryption paper as well as a config assist paper, right, as far as that goes. Yeah, but, but if you don't have anything right off the top of your head, that's a pretty good chance. 
Uh, well, you know, if you think about like RVC is really good, uh, you know, a good example, RVC lets you run the vSAN Observer, uh, you know, as an example. vSAN Observer, um, you may be, you know, it may, it may be easier to see, let's say, you know, any particular performance across VM kernel interfaces across all nodes and that type of thing, right? Whereas here we're, we're essentially within this UI, we have to look individually at those. Um, whereas in the, when, whereas in vSAN Observer, you know, we, we don't necessarily, I mean, it's, it's, it's less of a, it's kind of an overall picture, if you will, but you tie this to, um, to vRealize operations as an example, and you can have an aggregated view very, very easy, right? So uh, I'd say RVC was really probably never intended to be uh, customer facing, if you will, and it just kind of got to the point where it became convenient. Um, I'm not saying that, that uh, the RVC is going away per se, but I don't think there's necessarily any, you know, gonna be any dedicated uh, advancement of it, if you will, so. Uh, there may be times where it's required, maybe times where it's not. You know, I don't know if it's going to be here, you know, uh, forever as far as, as far as that goes. Now, I'll also say that kind of some of the things that were exposed in vSAN Observer, if I go back to configure and look at the performance service itself, if I look at under health and health and performance, and I look at the performance service, you know, uh, we'll see another little opportunity to get some more data. Uh, and this is, we really say this is, quote, recommended for opportunities with uh, GSS support, you know, type conversations, right? Because it's going to use additional CPU and I.O., right? But we now have a verbose mode for the performance service, so we can get even more granular reporting specific to vSAN. You can, again, turn this on, turn this off, that type of thing, right? Uh, and highly recommend this only to be used when directed by, by GSS, but but most of the big things, and, and we don't expose this a lot, right, but I'll go and I'll, I'll share it here, right, so if I do a find, dash name, obj tool, right, do it like that. So I've had situations where I've, got, I've needed to remove inaccessible objects before, and you typically are gonna run this particular command, obj tool, and then you're gonna pass the, uh, the, the um, object U or component UID and that type of thing, or the object UID and that type of thing. Uh, the last time I had this this particular situation, um, I simply used the, the um, da, 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 da. where is it? I basically used ESXCLI vSAN debug and then got my, my object UID and then I went and plugged it into the OBJ tool and then deleted the object. Right, but I can go in, I can look at things like the policy of an object and all that other kind of stuff without having to be in the RVC, right? And at the same time, because again, all of this, and, and of course you can't see it, but all of this right here is exposed here. And at the same time, and Kyle, I'm sorry for not spinning it up, right? But this is all exposed uh, as well in PowerCLI 6.5.1. Maybe a little, you know, problematic. You may need some some advanced code and that type of thing, kind of like I did with uh, with my example, uh, you know, right here, where you have to go and look at, you know, the uh, the particular uh, managed object and find, you know, find out which particular pieces you have to look for, right? You know, as far as uh, as this particular method, if you will. But where I'm getting at with that is 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 all of this stuff is available now in one form or fashion, and because we're exposing it at an API level, you can do a lot more and a lot greater things specific to it, right? 
Um, I will say William Lamb uh, presented something not too long ago where he was actually grabbing smart data. And I'll say that was a bit of beta code, but important thing is, is, is it is still exposed, the smart data from those drives. We've just got to find a you know, proper way of, of presenting that, right? And that's something that we're kind of working through. But point is, you know, with 6.2 and, and above, the API, ch you know, changed for the better. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, newer versions of, of 6, you know, 6.5 and 6.6 can still manage 6.2 as far as the health check and whatnot, right? Can't do config assist, can't do the updates, those kind of things. Those require, um, uh, you know, the updated code. But that's why we don't have any, any backward compatibility issues. Now, something I do want to share, I know we're right at time, but I want to make sure that I, that I share it, right? If we go to storage hub and this is kind of what i'm talking about about my um um you know my little easter egg thing right uh, if you get a storage hub you look under vsan look under learn and evaluate and you should see the very first one vsan demonstrations okay i put together a uh, a video of config uh, i'm sorry that's not the right one config assist and uh, easy install maybe that's it it should say long here we go, easy install and config assist, right, long. This is actually a, a, just a subset of that one, but if you look at this one, easy install and config assist demo, long, right? It's about 35 minutes, uh, anything that took a long amount of time as far as, as deploying or updating firmware and whatnot, and these using four of the same hosts that were in this cluster, there's, a, there's an error in part of my config, okay? I'm not going to say what it is. I'm not going to say where it is. I'm not going to say what it pertains to, and I'm not going to say it pertains to vSAN. But if you watch the video and you figure out where the where the error is, that will prove that part of this absolutely does not work. If you can find that, and you can send me a DM, my Twitter account just Jace McCarty, and I'll I'll get to them as they come in based on you know. Um, uh, availability that I have and, and, and whatnot, right? But the first, I'll say three people that DM me and say, here's where the error is and here's why the, why it's an error. The first three people that do that. And again, I have to keep it to US based because of, of tariffs and or taxes and VAT and that type of stuff, right? Um, the first three people that can identify the error with the video, I'll send, I'll, I'll send some kind of vSAN swag to them. Okay, so that's kind of my challenge. All right, I didn't realize it until after. Right now. <laughs> I didn't realize it until after I had made the video. It's like, oh wait, I got to have an error right there, and I, I'll, I'll be honest, and I kind of re-recorded a very small part and kind of inserted that, and then I realized I was like, oh well, wait a minute, I didn't realize I didn't update that piece. So, uh, so that's the challenge, and I'm sure I'm going to get inundated with, with DMs, and as they come in, I'm going to look at them, and the first three people, um, what I'll do is I'll, you know, the first three people that correctly identify where the error is and what the error pertains to, uh, I'll see about sending some vSAN swag to them, okay? You got it. I'm, I, probably, I probably shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> But it's a the thing is you got to watch the whole video though to find out exactly where it is. So, all right. And I, I talked about doing this last week with a couple of people internal, but uh, I wanted to uh, to save the opportunity for uh, you know for anybody who might be paying attention tonight.
Yeah, I think you had a uh, a packed house of people paying attention. So that was that was a great show. Great job. Good, good. Well, I hope everybody got a little bit out of it. Um, I'm just tickled to death with with uh, VSAN, especially six ten six. Uh, I couldn't ask for a better team to work with. All the TM guys, uh, John Nicholson, uh, Pete Fletcher doing the Virtually Speaking podcast, uh, Pete Keeler, Jeff Hunter, GS Calsa, got a great boss, Ken Warnerberg. Our engineering folks are absolutely awesome. Our uh, our leadership and PM folks are, are top-notch, and I, I couldn't be happier. I really couldn't be happier. All right. Well, guys, any other questions? I'll happily open up microphones. Just let me go ahead and do that. Yeah. If anybody wants to. And of course, if, if you don't want to ask a question, please mute yourself. But we're just trying to get some conversation and taking advantage of having Jace here. Hey, Jace, I do have uh, a question. It's more of a uh, vSAN 101, I guess. But uh, what would the overhead be to host performance for vSAN? Like, what what would I expect uh, that to be? So it, it really depends, right? And what I mean by that is, is depending on what we're leveraging as far as a feature set goes. Um, if we're leveraging, let's say, for instance, if I look at this app one, this particular VM should have a policy of erasure coding, right? So, and this is an all flash uh, environment. I've got erasure coding here with start with the two. Important thing to keep in mind here is, is, is vSAN itself natively is going to be between about two and 10% CPU overhead. Okay. Now that's a kind of a conservative number. I know it's a wide range. I'll say in many cases we see as low as two and maybe no higher than four, right? For just basic vSAN operation. Um, add erasure coding, uh, deduplication and compression, as well as checksumming to that mix, which we actually also improve checksumming in 6.6. .6. Uh, I'll say you'll probably see between two and 4% additional CPU overhead, right? So if I do a, a very, very low, you know, um, um, low end, if you will, uh, let's say I'm doing two normal and then I'm doing two with erasure coding, deduplication and compression, then I'm running about 4% CPU. Now that's not to say that I may not see 10 and then also see four and run about 4% CPU overhead, right? Uh, add encryption on top of that, it's probably about 2% CPU overhead just because again, we're offloading that to AES and I, it could be less, right? You take all those pieces into account. Um, I. You know, I don't like to necessarily say that that you know it's it's a, it's a case by case basis, but we see pretty much you know a uh, good bit lower than that as far as that goes. Now, memory utilization is going to be really dependent specifically on the number of uh, the type of um, um, uh, the size of of cache devices that you have, as well as how many disk groups that you have, right? That type of thing. So if I have two disk groups, I'm going to have more memory utilization than if I just had one. If I had three, I'm going to have more than I had two, and that type of thing. And we've got some. Uh, there's a KB article that you can Google just vSAN memory utilization, and it'll basically spell out specific, uh, specifically what your memory utilization per host is, as far as that goes, right? Um, Trying to think what else as far as a good rule of thumb. Oh, uh, in conjunction with that, you know, if I'm doing, you know, X amount of CPU overhead, let's say I was talking about about, you know, 10 to 14%, something like that. Um, 
I personally wouldn't recommend anything less than like a 10 or 12 core processor. Of course, we've got, you know, what, 22, 24 core processors out there now. Uh, I wouldn't recommend anything less than a 10 or 12, you know, core processor as far as that goes. Now, you can run vSAN with a, with a single proc. Absolutely. I've had people say, hey, you know, I want to buy a, a vSAN ready node. It comes with two procs, but for licensing reasons, I think I can be fine if I just go with one proc. Can I yank a proc? and only pay for one vSAN CPU license. Absolutely, you can. Whether or not it's right for your particular use case, that's entirely dependent on your use case, right? But we can do that as well. Um, so, you know, as far as overhead goes, you know, 10 to 14, 15% somewhere in there, and, uh, you know, use those multi-core CPUs. And, uh, um, you know, again, you can go down to one if necessary. And that's one of the great things about vSAN is the fact that not only can we scale up, we can scale down. Right, so it's 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 pretty flexible. It's like Lego bricks. You know, you can do pretty much anything and everything with it, uh, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, and one of the the things with software defined storage is it really depends on the hardware too. So the more features you want, the better your hardware should be. I do have one question, Jace. This is a personal mm -hmm. question for my own home lab. Okay. What happens if mixed hybrid and all flash in the same cluster? Is that pot even possible? Is it? Uh, you, I, could, I you, you could do it. You can physically do it, but it's not a supported config. Now, uh, I will say that Duncan uh, Epping on yellowbricks.com or yellow-bricks.com, he's got a particular blog post from about a year or, or more ago where he went through the process of migrating a cluster from being hybrid to being all flash. Okay, so you can, in a I'll say in a transitionary period, go from hybrid to all flash with a mixed config. Um, but it's not supported as far as running hybrid and all flash simultaneously in a production state. Uh, at the same time, and this is something that we have since corrected, in, uh, in 6.5 we introduced the fact that the vSAN standard licensing would now allow for all flash configuration. So basically, you can use all flash, hard, all flash hardware with 6.5, but you don't get the additional data services, right? Because that comes with, with advanced license uh, or enterprise license as far as that goes. Um, that has been rolled back to 6.2 as well. So if you've got 6.2 and you can't do that, you want to run all flash on a standard license with 6.2, you actually kind of have to check your keys in to get a 6.5 key and then you check and then kind of do a key exchange and get some updated 6.2 keys, right? Um, but I would highly recommend anyone that has all flash hardware and they are forcing it to behave as though it's hybrid, uh, I, I would highly recommend that you kind of get the config right, you know, as far as that goes. So if you have all flash hardware, please be sure to, be, uh, to have it configured as all flash hardware, regardless of what license you're running. That's a great tidbit. Thank you there, Yes. Mm-hmm. We have one more comment that came in on Twitter from Ken. He said, Ken Nalbone, he said that he's surprised that you didn't say that vSAN is smarter than us. Well, I'm not going to say vSAN is smarter than, than you know, us. And, and, you know, if you really think about vSAN, vSAN has got some, some really great things going for it in the way that, you know, I don't have to carve up LUNs. I don't have to, I mean, I remember when I was a storage guy, I mean, it was like, uh, there were two people who knew how to manage our fabric, right? Our fiber channel fabric. It was my boss and me, which meant I had to do all the work. And in that particular case, you know, you touch fabric once every three to six months and you hope you do it right. Otherwise you've got a resume generating 
within, right? I think there are a lot of things that vSAN does that make things easier for us, and I'm a big believer in uh, providing software and services that give us the capability of, of reducing our overall burden, you know? And what I mean by that is, is, is I used to work 80 hours a week and I hated it, right? I want to be able to go to Little League and all that type of stuff, right? And I think vSAN is really good at that. Now, at the same time, I don't think that I can put together a lousy vSAN config and expect to get, you know, super awesome things out of it. I mean, I do have to have a little bit of, of, of you know, proper decision decision making when it comes to the design and sizing of it, right? Like, you know, if I'm going all flash, I have to have shared 10 gig. I can't do one gig and those types of things. And so, you know, within the within the boundaries of properly sizing and properly configuring vSAN, uh, there are a lot of things that it does pretty well. And, you know, I'm not going to say it's any smarter than we are, but it, I think it's a it promotes a smarter use of my time as a as a storage admin, if you will. You guys still there? Well, the other reason for saying that vSAN is, is smarter than us is that that would include you, and so that makes the statement valid, uh, invalid. <laughs> well, I'm, I, hey, I'm the dumbest guy in storage. I promise you that, right? Um, <laughs> you know, but but every now every now and then I have my moment, right? It's like, hey, well, we're talking about this. We need to take this into account. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. We need to do that too, right? My, my big thing is, and, and I remember when 6.6 .6 released, uh, you know, a couple people were like, hey, thanks, Jace and Duncan and so on and so forth for such a great product. And, and you know, my response was, I'm just the messenger. We've got all these awesome engineers that are putting together great stuff. They're the ones who work the magic. You know, customers are the ones, obviously, that consume it. But a lot of times, you know, customers ask for things that we may or may not have thought of. Like two-node direct connect is a direct result of a particular customer asking for that feature functionality. And it's taken off since we introduced that in uh, in 6.5 and kind of backported that to some builds of 6.2, right? So it's 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 kind of collaborative, if you will. There are a lot of things you know happen because customers want you know want it to happen, and we do listen, you know. Oh yeah, that's that's the magic with VMware. We have great developers. We take feedback very seriously. If someone has a use case, we'll we'll move heaven and earth. That's right. That's absolutely right. All right, Tom. I think I think we can let let Jay's go back to his wife. Uh, uh, can I borrow him for one more <laughs> second? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, so uh, my background is primarily in backup and recovery, and I've kind of uh, been dragged into the world uh, you know, here and there. Uh, oh. One of the questions I had was, um, and, and unfortunately, you know, I'll ask you to excuse me. I'm not uh, very knowledgeable on saying I get the basic concept of it, mm -hmm. but uh, for if I'm dealing with the storage array, I have options where I can either use VADP to back up virtual machines directly from VMware, either using a direct connection to the storage array using like a iSCSI fiber channel or an NFS through the uh, VM kernel. Uh -huh. um, is there any such option or API available to back up directly from the vSAN functionality so that I'm not having to traverse from vSAN through the hypervisor directly and then back out again, or? Well, so, so today from a backup perspective, uh, uh, you know, we do support VADP based backups as it is for the, in the grand scheme of things. Now I'll say, you know, we don't support SAN copy type type backups through VADP, that type of thing. Um, you know, we, we do support hot add and, and, and that type of thing. But at the same time, something also to consider is, is a particular plugin piece called, um, called Vio, right? So 
we do have some technology right now with uh, with Vio. Uh, I'll give an example, such as Recover Point for virtual machines, that kind of ties into the Vio stack and gives us the capability of really pulling it from the back end as opposed to going through, let's say, a VM kernel interface specifically, right? As far as uh, as doing those types of types of backups, right? Uh, mm -hmm. A couple of different ways of doing it, as far as that goes, and and maybe we can get uh, possibly Jeff Hunter or or uh, GS Kalsa on uh, you know on an upcoming V Brown bag to really go in depth. So, oh, and 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 Veeam actually also supports Bio now with their latest release, as far as offloading you know some of that mechanism go, you know as far as that goes. Okay, I'm using like solutions like Commvault, NetBackup, uh, mm -hmm. Avamar, those kinds of systems, and you know, any, anywhere that I can kind of streamline the process is where I'm looking for. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think we could probably do a, a whole V Brown bag, you know, one evening just on on backup and recovery and availability, you know, specific to that. But uh, but we definitely, you know, it's an important part of the overall solution. Not it, Ariel. Before you even throw me out there. <laughs> no, but Guru Simran Kalsa <laughs> is part of V Brown bag, so we'll definitely reach out to him and tell him, hey, there's there's interest. Get, okay, get him good. The <laughs> Is there uh, anybody else, or are we going to let Jace get back to it? I'll take one more. Bueller, going, twice. going twice. Sold. All, All right. right. Thank you very much, Jace. This has been amazing. It's been great yeah. information. I'm glad. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and uh, see you next week on, for another V Brown Bag. All right. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>